Gentlemen, start your engine. Good afternoon, radio. For those who don't know, Radio Hotler. Thanks for coming and making time. It's on everybody's mind. For those who don't know, there's a big shebang. Sorry about that. Sorry about the uh, um, technical goodies. Radio Hotler. Hot, 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 hot. Oh, cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. noticed viewers that uh, Fogs is here and I'm here and the car is incredibly quiet. Yeah, you're right. There's some, yeah. something's there's missing. Something missing, isn't there? Yeah, there is something. Oh, trend sort of fidgety person going, oh, stop, stop here. I want to take a video of that. Um, yes. And a... playing with an iPad in the back with choo-choo trains on it. That's right. Yeah. No, it's a Hayek-free zone for the trip home. It is. Hayek went to uh, Hardy. Hayek, yeah, a.k.a. Hardy. Um, went back to Sydney because he had to be up bright and early for work. Um, in fact, on Saturday night because uh, he'd come up with me so he didn't have a car at Bathurst. Uh, he didn't know how he was going to get back. And uh, in his wisdom, because he loves trains... He does love his trains. He decided that he would get the train back, only getting back Sunday night was going to be a bit of a drama. So uh, he and Tony, um, his chief, late Saturday afternoon. So he's back in Sydney now. Um, Working on his top secret project. Project that we could tell you about, viewers, but then we'd have to kill you. Or he'd kill us. Well, that's right, or both. Yeah. I mean, we do... We, you do know that, of course, viewers, that we'd already announced the RSPCA um, adopter pet uh, will be downloadable from iTunes sometime in the near future when they've uh, finished doing it all. So uh, we won't go through that twice. No, but apart from that, it's top secret. Exactly, but there, there are other, other issues at stake here. So here we are, loafing along yes. in our Honda Accordiero home. And what do you think so far of the Accordia? I think it's a very nice car. It's got a couple of little annoying annoyances, um, but it holds the road well. It's uh, very comfortable, very, very fuel uh, efficient, economical, fuel efficient. Yep. Um, and yeah, it's it's a very nice car. Yeah, no, it's good long distance cruiser. It is a good cruiser. It's uh, what is the Accordia is to be, but it's a pretty decent drive, and it's. Um, He's done a good job dragging the three of us and all our luggage up to Bathurst the other day. And as I say, it's just uh, loafing along the highway now on the way home. So, um, no, it's, it's, it's well built. And, it uh, is well uh, built. And, and it revs really well when, when you put it in S. It revved counter, wondering why it was on four and a half. 
Yeah, well, a 2.4 litre, you know, Honda with the VTEC technology plus and, uh, you know, a very rev-happy engine. So, um, yeah, I don't think, you know, personal preference wouldn't match it with the auto. I think that's a bit of a stretch, but, uh, yeah. you know, a decent performer. Um, it's not going to frighten you with its acceleration or, uh, you know... No, it's only a nine... Overwhelming something. power... But um, no, very comfortable, very pleasant journey so far. So following uh, in the fine footsteps of the Honda Odyssey that we took up to yes. the Bathurst 12-hour early in the year. So here we go. So to kill some time, uh, we're doing a show and we head south. Absolutely, folk right. Now, I've also got it just while we're still on the Honda uh, Accord Euro that we're sitting in. It does have a couple of annoyances, viewers. The first one is the um, parking sensors that uh, at Bathurst were of a particular annoyance because if somebody like the lollipop people uh, outstanding in front of the car, the alarm was going off, the parking alarm was going off because the sensors were picking that person up and I couldn't find any way of turning the damn noise off and it was driving me nuts, especially when you're sat there for five minutes. I think you're being a bit harsh. And I mean, that's what it's for, they're parking sensors. They're yeah, but I wasn't parking. You should be able to push a button objects. so that they only come on when you're, when you're stopped at lights. The rear ones start going off. Yeah. It, well, is, it is an annoyance. There may well be somewhere to turn it off, but we yeah. just haven't found it. We and could other, look at the manual, but no. The other thing is the flappy paddles do get in the way of seeing what you're doing with the lights. If you want to just put the driving lights on because you're a day time running or whatever, it's very hard to see what the hell's going on. But apart from that, I think it's got a very, very good wrap. That's a good point, actually. The vision does have, uh, as you say, the flappy paddles. You can uh, shift it into manual mode and uh, go up and down the gears, either using the gear stick or the paddles at either side of the back of the steering wheel. And uh, they work pretty well, you know, for what it is. It's not, you know, it's not a... Uh, system it's just an automatic transmission you know with the ability to change the gears manually but yeah it's not it's not bad but yeah sometimes you're right it does get in the way of seeing what setting you got the lights on but um no otherwise um, a fine comfortable comfortable vehicle very comfortable if not as overtly as sporty as the previous model uh, was but it's a I mean it's a big car it's really it is it's very rare even this boot when you look at it from the outside it's uh, you wouldn't think the boot's anywhere near as deep as it is so, swallowed everything. Very impressive. So, Bathurst. Back to the weekend. What do you reckon? I reckon it was a great result. It was a very, very good result. And I'm a bit unsure about that last safety car. Not the very last one, but the one that was like 30 laps out or whatever. Being the west, you know. Yeah. Late safety car with about 30-odd laps to go. Yeah. It's, uh, it's got to be almost a cliche, but I don't know. I think they might have triggered it a bit too early because, um, it, you know, ended up. Well, it could have turned it into just a fuel economy run to the flag, I and mean, it almost was until Will Davison uh, tragically and amazingly yes, you know, yeah. overcooked another safety car, a short safety car period, and well, stuffed his own race. He was heading for yeah. a strong third. Um, God, just the result Will Davison didn't need. He's had a horror season, and to, to throw it away, sorry, you can't describe it any other way, to throw it away that late in the stage at the Bathurst 1000. Um, was just shocking for him. He's pretty confident that he's going to leave the Holden Racing team at the end of the year anyway and head for other pastures. We believe he's going over to Ford Performance Racing to replace Stephen Richards, but 
I don't know. I don't think anyone will be sorry to see him go at Clayton, at, you know, after that <laughs> performance. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a harsh call, but it really, harsh call. you don't get many shots at that race to get on the podium when you don't really, you know, neither of the eight a podium car on the day, but yet, you know, after Davo threw it away, you know, Garth Tander had dragged that thing that he was lumbering yes. around in all day with Cam McConville, um, dragged that up into third. Which was pretty yeah. amazing, and, and Bridie was right behind, so yeah, you know, there, was, yeah. there was another chance there as Strategy well. Strategy dragged Bridie up, he, he never had the pace that he showed in qualifying, um, but none as gritty as Tander, I mean, they were gone for all money after McConville um, fluffed the start, dropped yeah. back, you know, to like 16th or something, and then they had, he, he bent the steering arm when he hit the wall early in the race and they yeah. came in the pits and the door fell off. <laughs> when have you ever seen that? You know, it's Keystone cop stuff. But was. what happened was he hit the wall so hard, thumped it on the front, the pin popped out. the pins out. Yeah, yeah. So you know, to get back to third was a pretty good effort because they just didn't have the front-running pace. But the, the, the boys at Clayton HRT, they're dirty because they reckon they, that they are convinced that neither Craig Lowndes nor Jamie Wincup had enough fuel to make it to the flag. So they're basically saying really got the, the you know the hates on uh, Will yeah. Davison because he cost them a possible victory. They think I don't you know we'll never know. We'll never know. Of course, the Triple we'll cars were you know going to be down to almost no fuel. Well, they were supposedly time. switched to the to reserve or whatever. Yeah, it was always going to be a close run thing, but yeah. I mean it actually was pretty exciting. Those you know the sprint to the finish, you know. Yeah. Craig Lowndes, you know, holding off a determined uh, late charge and almost challenged by Jamie Wincup. I don't think Wincup was ever going to really, you know, throw in a lunge or no. a desperado. And move. I don't think he had the car speed to do it. No, be honest. It was a pretty good effort for he and Owen to get up to second at the end of the day, really, because they never really had the pace that Craig Lowndes and Mark Scaife had. So, in the end, you know, a one-two for Team Vodafone, a fairy tale result. You know, the old firm back together after 10 years, Lowndes and Scaife, Scaife yeah. um, proving that, you know, a lot of experience can get you a long way at Bathurst. And, you know, I think the most remarkable fact to come out of uh, Craig Lowndes' victory, his Bathurst 1000 success, Scaife's number six victory. Yes. Starting to close in on Brocky's number yeah. nine there. Yeah, yes. But I think the most, rem most remarkable thing was the fact that it completed... An amazing month for Lowndes, if not Scaife, but Lowndes and Scaife, first time paired together with at Team Vodafone towards the end. Yes. Uh, with Jamie Win you know, Lowndes and Wincup head to head, and uh, even though Wincup had car problems that put him out in the end, you know, Lowndes he still had, um, you know, tons of speed over him. Then Lowndes he goes off, la 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 la, la and does the Australasian Safari, you know, in you know, old it. Colorado. Yeah, first time ever. Wins it, co-driven by Keys We are uh, racing V8 Supercar team boss. Gets no mainstream media coverage whatsoever. No, but I mean, it just it just shows that there's this well, there's a, you know an adaptability and a versatility in Craig Lowndes that we never really get to see. But he's just gone off road and brained them and won that, and then a couple of weeks later again wins. The really is an and. Craig Lowndes now, he's got his sights on the championship. Oh, without he's a doubt. He's roared up into contention. Yeah. He's third in the points now. He's driving, I reckon he's driving as well as he ever had. There's a new spring in Craig Lowndes' step, and I don't know, something's flicked in his mind. Yep. You know, he's got this yeah, new car, the second 
you know, uh, build triple yep. Commodore, and it's just little areas in the car suddenly really, really suits Craig's driving style, and he can take it by the scruff of the neck. Um, you know, he's like a pig in the proverbial, and um, I, you know, I know Craig well enough now, well enough. To I know him well enough to know that he's now firmly got his sights on the championship. So James Courtney, who's still just, you know, hanging on to the lead in the uh, run, you know, towards the end of the season. Of course, it's all go, go, go. Now it's just rat-a-tat-tat. We've got the Gold Coast 600, you know, yep. in uh, under two weeks. Then there'll be the race in Tasmania, Sandown, and then we'll have the big finale um, at Homebush in early December. So it's, uh, it's going to be... Pretty relentless, but I reckon it's going to be a, a great battle, um, as enthralling almost as the one at the moment. Wow, yeah, how's that? Weber looking good. That opened up yesterday, didn't it? Yeah, and Weber's looking very, very good. Yep, Japanese Grand Prix finally got away after all the, all the uh, rain, all the rain, that, all the yeah, rain washed, out, washed out the practice, washed out qualifying oh, and the health yeah. in the morning. But uh, in the end, Sebastian Vettel, who not surprisingly, I think, followed second by. Mark Webber and uh, more importantly he held out Fernando Alonso in third so he's uh, Webber now has extended, extended his lead in the championship um, what's he got 14 points hasn't he yes. which doesn't sound a lot but with only three win, uh, three races to go it's it's on for young and old and I, I reckon Webber one more win and a couple and he's home and hose he'll be Australia's third world champion so it's going to be really exciting we're going to have this new race, entirely new race on a barely completed track in Korea. Uh, then we go to Brazil. Well, Mark Webber won the Brazilian Grand Prix yes. last He's year. He's got to be a good bet for Brazil. And then Abu Dhabi, well, could be anyone's that track, but I still, yeah. I'd back a Red Bull S or start favouring Webber. Will they invoke team orders and get Vettel, you know, to, to help the line. Webber win the World Championship? Yes. I'm betting not. Yeah, I'll... I'm betting they're still thinking, you know, deep down they want a German speaker, really, yeah. to win this championship. They're going to let it run. They're going to let them fight it out. I don't think there'll be any team orders until maybe the last race if, you know... Yeah, if Weber's substantially ahead. Substantially ahead, maybe. So it's, it's all very exciting and um, fifth place at Bathurst, just to go back to the super cheap auto Bathurst 1000, um, was another gritty effort for James Courtney. He was never really a contender, never really in, in play, but he and Warren Luff, you know, um, they had to replace the front bar on their Jim Beam Falcon early in the race. Get back up to yeah, fifth, that's for sure. Drag themselves back. In fact, looking at a chance for a podium at one stage, but near the end of the race, you know, I spoke to James Courtney afterwards, and, you know, tyres were shot. Yeah. Um, he just couldn't carry the speed anymore. So, you know, and given all the controversy and uh, dissent and division swirling around Dick Johnson racing over the weekend in the wake of... Uh, you know, the reports that came out last week that uh, Colt, the saviour of the team a couple of years ago, is, well, almost being forced to sell his half um, to this mining magnate, uh, Nathan Tinkler, uh, who who was supposed to buy the Bathurst 1000, be the new co-owner of Dick Johnson Racing with, of course, Dick Johnson. Yep. Uh, but all the adverse publicity and, you know, some, um, settled. In fact, um, it now looks like, if at all... Um, it's going to stretch out to the settlement deadline of October 15th, Friday, October the 15th. But the betting now is that uh, Tinkler's not going to buy in. So it'll be right. interesting to see what happens there, I think. Uh, well, then Dick's the high and right. Well, yeah, he's not not in a great position, I think. Not. He and Charlie Schwerkoff have fallen out big over time this. over this. I think they're both going to have to swallow their pride, sit down, come to some sort of accommodation. And I think the upshot, the most likely outcome 
you know, in the wake of Bathurst is that Charlie Schwerkot will finally get to buy out Dick, take yeah. full control and ownership of Dick Johnson Racing. But, and this was always the plus heels in, and, you know, maybe he was asking for a bit, you know, a bit too much money, a bit more money yeah, than he should have. Anyway, you know, Dick will stay on, um, well, he'll keep a role in the team that has his name on the door as an ambassador of figurehead. And I think that's going to be the most eloquent solution because if Charlie bails... Like, you yeah, know, the team's high and dry. Well, there's a lot of people in the team. Yeah. There's a lot of support for Charlie because he, he literally, the team was on the financial brink in early 2008. Oh, he bailed them without and, a and doubt. And he saved them, yeah. yeah. So, you know, if uh, Charlie walks or is pushed out and, and Dick is back running the team, I reckon you could pretty much wave goodbye to James Courtney at the end of the year because yeah. he'll have a clause in his contract. Well, that's exactly what he has got. He's, yeah. got a, he's got a clause there that basically gives him a get-out if Charlie ceases to control the team. Yeah. And so, also Adrian Burgess, the sporting director, you know, the guy who actually runs yeah. the team at the races, you know, and he's been part of the you know revival of Dick Johnson racing over the last few years. Um, he's none too happy at all. So... There's talk of him, um, you know, bailing and heading off to another Queen's uh, golf team. And the latest chat is if Courtney does do a runner, um, he might be falling straight into the arms of uh, Holland Racing Team because they'll be looking for a replacement for Will Davison. So uh, the next the next three or four days are going to be very critical to the future of Dick Johnson Racing. One, you know, one of the, if not the, an exciting weekend. And, you know, given all the... Discussion and dissent and speculation and distraction was going on. I, I think the team did a pretty good job. You know, oh, I do too. To Absolutely. Get, to get Courtney and Luff home in, in fifth, you know, it, it could have been. Well, one team insider has described the whole situation about the ownership as a complete train wreck. Yeah. Well, you know, it could have been a complete train wreck on the train. Didn't knuckle down, but um, no, they there we to go. Get it all together. Yeah. Although Stevie did his usual fade off to, you know. Well, which is, I don't know. I think, well, he was distracted by the whole... Oh, I'm uh, sure he would have been too. Yeah. And uh, he would have... I mean, he, he had to take sides, and of course he had to take Dick's side. There's no way he could have... Uh, well, also, Nathan, Nathan Tinkler is a mate. I mean, it was a pretty eventful um, few days up there and culminating in, um, you know, just probably the perfect result. Um, <laughs> it certainly suits me. Yeah, I was going to just about to say, viewers, it suits folks, because when's the book out? The end of this month? Uh, I believe it's on sale officially November the 1st. This there is the go. book that I've written Craig Lowndes. Craig Lowndes. And I can uh, give him a little secret. I think it's going to be called The Inside Line. That's the name of the book. Right. And um, it's a contemporary account of Craig's life as a V8 supercar driver and the V8 supercar racing series. It's not an autobiography. Um, but it's all done and dusted. Much agony and uh, many long hours. Uh, often. We're pretty excited. I, I, I think people will be um, surprised, perhaps, by the, the depth of information that has come out of Craig, who, let's be honest, in the past hasn't been known as one of the deepest thinkers in, in motorsport, but he surprised me. There's right. a lot of depth to... Um, some philosophical moments? Can we look forward yeah. to some... Um, you know, let's not get overexcited. No, I don't mean, you know, super <laughs> in depth stuff. But, but there's yeah. a lot of stuff he talks about in there that he yeah. has never spoken about before. And, you know, I mean, even his manager, David Seal, who's known Craig for years, even before he's his manager, said, you know, was surprised. He learned things about Craig, you know, that he hadn't known that have come out of the book. The better motor racing books, well, I would say that, but you know, we put a lot of <laughs> yeah, effort in. Wouldn't, wouldn't. It, but, you know, but not just being... And, 
you know, a diary or a, you know, a, a, Which we'll get to a, in a, a compilation of press releases, you know, some sport books by sportsmen, even if they're written with the help of a, of a professional journalist, you know, are often pretty mundane and, you know, there's very, um, we put a lot of effort into, you know, making it an interesting read. Making it an insight, yeah, an interesting, entertaining read, but also, you know, a lot of insight into into not only Craig Lowndes, but into, you know, how V8 supercar racing works and, you know, how they set up the cars and what it's like to drive and what it's like inside the team and, you know, what Craig Lowndes do when he's not racing because on the surface it looks like, well, how cushy is that? 15 events a year, that's 15 right. weekends. So what's Up he doing? Up on the farm with the horses the rest of the time, that's it. That's yeah. all he does. He doesn't, I've got to tell you, he doesn't get much time on the farm. <laughs> but, uh, you know, up near Kilcoy in uh, southeastern Queensland, he's, he's flat out um, all the extra sponsor work they do and call media engagements um, you know it's, it's it's a busy life I mean it's, it's still not a real job you know, let's, <laughs> let's be real about it but you know he, he's not just sitting on his tush you know doing his horse whispering with the GG's or you know <laughs> uh, bouncing around the farm not all the time he does that a little bit but uh, he's pretty busy so there's lots of yeah, it's pretty interesting as, as I said it's actually even more interesting than I would have expected because I've interviewed Craig many many times over the years and you know He's always had things to say, but, you know, never anything even slightly contentious, never really showed, you know, his true opinions or certainly yeah, true. Never I mean, stated them firmly. He's always come across as, like, not yeah. Mr. Nice Guy, but one of those people who doesn't seem that he wants to upset the apple cart no. for no reason. No. Or, and this you is, know. you know, I'm not suggesting this is, you know, lift the lid stuff and it's full of controversy and revelations. It's not, but there's stuff in there that you will... Learn about Craig Lowndes and, and about V8 Supercar Racing. That you know, even if you're a close follower of the sport, you didn't know to appeal to people who know nothing about V8 Supercar Racing or motor racing, but have heard of Craig Lowndes. But without you know talking down to or insulting you know V8 Supercar or motor racing aficionados, and um, you know, I hope people when they you know get to have a look at the book yep. and uh, we'll buy it. various media review it that you know we will have achieved that balance. So. But the fact that Craig is now month has won three big events, you know, just a few weeks before the book um, goes on sale, um, well, I'm, I'm betting it can't hurt sales. The, I mean, the only disappointment, if you like, is because of publishing schedules, you know, we had to finish the book um, in the lead-up to the Bathurst 1000, yeah. back, straight after the Phillip Island Five, uh, sorry, straight, so we were, haven't been able to explore in... in any depth whatsoever, you know, these three great victories in a row. So I'm hoping and betting, in fact, that the book will sell so well on its first print run yep. that it'll go into reprint and we'll get to do the behind-the-scenes stories on this fabulous month and, you know, by then maybe take in the fact that he, you know, he has won or has a leaf of the championship. So, um, but that's, it's just a hazard of, um, of, you know, publishing schedules. The book's got to be completed at a certain point. You know, to be able to go on sale on November first, and of course, the publisher, which is ABC Books, um, wanted it out early November because it's leasing. It's here, leading up to Christmas, and along with yeah. filing periods of the year. So, yeah. that's the simple explanation of that. All right. So, viewers, if you've just tuned in, you're listening to Radio Folks Books, <laughs> um, and, and while we're on the subject of books, 
Um, you had a copy of Jamie Winkup's book, folks, which uh, I was uh, reading quite uh, heavily this morning whilst you were uh, filing a couple of stories, up on stories. What do you think? And I actually was pleasantly surprised. I My initial sort of reaction to the way it was laid out, it's, it's very diarised, um, and it is very much a, a, a diary purely of race week. Every, every event has got basically the events of the week leading up to the race, uh, the appearances that Johnny has to do, and then what happens in practice and how the car feels. In the, But there was a lot of probably stuff that you would maybe think that, oh, you know, Jamie Winkup, he's a little bit of an enigma, he's maybe a little bit aloof and da-da-da-da-da. But when you're actually sitting reading it, 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 it came across just as, you know, a fairly regular bloke, I suppose you could say, very driven uh, regular bloke. There were a few things that I didn't like that weren't particularly well laid out, I didn't think. Um, you know, they, they've got effectively at the beginning of the book a list of all the teams and all the drivers, um, but all the drivers are called by their full normal, you know, given names, uh, yet in the book... There's a various uh, shortened, you know, like Will Davidson was either Will or Davo right. or Will Davidson. Um, Stephen Johnson was either Stevie Johnson, Steve J or Stevie J. Uh, and when you're actually reading through the thing, the flow of crossing back between different versions of the same name gets just a little bit confused. I sort of thought that. Um, he gave a very, very good description of his drive in the Formula car at Melbourne, I thought that was excellent, um, and yeah, that's, I mean, obviously I didn't read the whole thing, I didn't have time, but I, I flicked through certain races, Clipsall, Gold Coast, um, you know, very, Homebush last year, uh, it's a bit disappointing with some of the grammar, um, he has a habit of saying Lounsey and me, and it was left as Lounsey and me, mm. now, you know, maybe if that's what he says, and that's a direct quote, well, I suppose it's permissible, but my perspective of the English language and the way I was taught at school and all that sort of stuff, you would have thought that in a book it should be grammatically correct and it should be lousy and lousy and all that. Well, pretty confident, certainly <laughs> hopeful that you won't be picking up such basic grammatical errors um, in the, in the Lowndes book. But we should explain that Wincup's book is called My Championship Year. It was written uh, with Paul Gover who's a senior motoring and motorsport writer, been around for years, yeah, yeah, almost as long as me, um, motoring editor of the Herald Sun newspaper in, in Melbourne. Um, he gave me the copy on the weekend. Um, it's, I think it's just recently gone on sale. Um, originally, it was, I, I think it was, it was supposed to be... Father's Day. Yeah, yeah, it didn't quite make it, So, which makes its timing a bit odd because, as you alluded to... Um, it doesn't cover a full season. It's uh, Bathurst last, yes, last year, year. Yeah. and then goes through until Townsville this year, yes. which is a bit odd. I mean, it's all about publishing uh, schedules and publishing deadlines. deadlines but um, it's called My Championship Year, and it's billed as being, you know, the book about his bid for a through, uh, you know, a hat trick of V8 supercar type. It sort of leaves you wondering, and as I said, you. There's a reason for that, but given that they didn't actually get it out before Father, so it seems a bit odd. But apart from that, you know, you've got me at a disadvantage. I just got hold of the book. I haven't had time to read it. I've had a flick. Um, you know, I'm not a big fan of diary books. Um, yeah. You know, they can te they, they tend to be very formulaic. But I'll reserve judgment and read it. But I, I know for a fact that originally that um, you know the Lowndes book, um, the Inside Line, 
was originally planned from the publisher's point of view as a diary. Right. Uh, and, and as far as I was concerned, that was never going to fly. That, that was just tedious, you know, beyond my capabilities. Was that so, not like Ricky Ponding's book? Was exactly. That sort of that? We did that one as well. And, right. And, and I read Ponding's latest book, and while it's pretty interesting, and, you know, I learned a bit about cricket from it, but... It just, I just didn't think it suited what we were trying to do with Craig. And there were so many other things to talk about that I thought that, you know, a diary of the season, you know, pretty dull really. But anyway, I'm from a uh, Wind Cups book. That's the, the style I adopted. It just, it wasn't for me as a writer. You know, I wouldn't have enjoyed writing it that way. Yeah. And, you know, I just think Craig had more to give and hopefully people will agree. So that's, you know explains the strange timing of the book but yeah um i would expect that you know Dover is a very good writer no certainly and, i mean it, it certainly holds your interest when you're reading yeah. it there's no doubt about that and yeah. jamie i've always found to be a very upfront um, very open guy who you know is, is you know he doesn't um well he doesn't he wears his heart on his sleeve he's quite willing to expose himself um, which I think is pretty risky and, and gutsy these days. So it's that it's, you know, probably insightful and revealing about him because he's the kind of guy who does actually, um, you know, open up and reveal a bit of himself. So, um, you know, I'll look forward to reading it. Um, but, I mean, all of these books, they've all got something interesting in them, particularly if you're into the subject matter. And for a lot of people, it would be Amy Wincup Tick. Yes. Just as, you know, we had a couple of months ago, Life in the Fast Lane, you know, Mark Scaife's book. Yes. Um, you know, there's a lot of interesting and insightful stuff in there. You know, the, the problem with Scaife's book was that it, it, lost. Didn't, it didn't address, you know, the, 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 not only the elephant, the elephant herd sitting in the room. It just glossed over completely his, you know, um, demise at Holden yes. Racing Team and how, how he fell out and how he lost control of the team. And that's, you know, everyone bought the books and oh, let's... Yeah, this is going to see what Scapey said, yeah, you know, yeah. his side of the story. Well, yeah. it's just absent. So um, he says that in his next book or his you know, real autobiography, he'll do the, the whole thing. You know, it's such a such a, a topical and contentious issue that it just it deserved more than just a few sentences brushing it aside. Yeah. So, they, you know, books are hard work, I've got to tell you, and they're a delicate balance, but there's a, <laughs> an absolute ration of them rash of them at the moment because Paul Gover having completed this Jamie Wincup book he's now working on another book um, which is the, the 40 greatest uh, tour, Australian touring car and V8 drivers of the past oh, 50 right. years okay. so that's sort of you know uh, he's you know telling the story uh, telling a story about you know all the 40 best drivers all the legends and other prominent driver figures in the past 50 years so Bob Jane, Norm Beachy, Ian Gagan, uh, Alan Moffat you know the, yeah. the, the real original heroes um, uh, a Gold Coast based journalist Gordon Lomas has uh, been writing the uh, official history of V8 supercars well, that'll be and that promises to well it promises to be interesting whether it tells the full you know unexpurgated story and wow. will be interesting to see is, um, it, is it being sanctioned by uh, VASA well it is and that's, that's well that's where the worry comes in then because he can't say anything nasty about Tony or you know 
whatever, whatever. Well, not even nasty, just like the real yeah, story yeah, in a different yeah, perspective. Yeah. Gordo assures me that he's got editorial control and that, you know, they're not interfering. Um, I'll believe it when I see this coming out. Um, That's I, more of a coffee type of yeah, spot, I, think I guess. I think it's scheduled to come out like mid mid to early spring next year. Gordo's also <laughs> working on a book about uh, Dick Johnson Racing and uh, ostensibly, you know, in celebration of Dick Johnson Racing 30 years, but... Um, all the shenanigans going on at DJ at the moment might um, yeah, be the, uh, the spokes of that one, so we'll still have to wait and see. And, uh, and I just heard the other day there's another Peter Brock book coming out. Oh, not another one. Yeah, apparently written by a, a former Melbourne TV political journalist but absolute motor racing fan called Colin Fulton. Right. Uh, and he's put that uh, a book together on Brock. I'll be interested to see, you know, by Wayne Webster, which is probably yes. the standard work, and then... David Hassel updated his early 80s book, you know, with new material. Yes, yeah. So I'll be interested to see what Colin Fulton um, actually comes up with. That's new. Yeah. That we haven't already heard. That's right. So it's, you know, so it's feast or a famine, you know, you, you either don't get any decent motor racing books or, you know, a whole heap of them arrive at once. And then, of course, the Mark Webber book can't oh, be far it's away. It's going to be inevitable. And if he wins the championship, that'll be definitely, you know. Definitely, yeah. Well, I mean, it's happened to all the others. Like, <laughs> if you go back through the years, you know, there's the Alan Jones book, the Nigel Mansell book, the Ed Senna book, blah, blah. That was prior to Ed Senna's death, mm. you know. So they've all done one. So you would think that there'll definitely be a Mark Webber book. There we go. So... The Jamie Winkup book and the fact that it straddles across two seasons, effectively, and publishing deadlines. Mm. That sort of brings us on to a bit of tech, I think. Because uh, in these days of iPads and uh, audio books and things of that nature, I can see that maybe publishing deadlines for those reasons will become less of a problem. Um, for argument, you're saying about your update to Craig's book, theoretically, if it goes for a reprint, that will enable you to include Bathurst and maybe run all the way out to Homebush. Um, I can foresee a time coming maybe not for another three, four, five years, but certainly as online digital publishing becomes more and more the norm and we are reading things on the iPad, so someone can buy you a book voucher on the iTunes store for a specific title for Father's Day, just like they buy you the actual book now, but instead of getting the whole book in one hit, you might get each chapter a month after the appropriate round, in which case you can do a full proper year. Um, and it's then just downloaded a chapter at a time. Um, and and there's, uh, from a technology point of view, a lot of opportunities for that type of thing. And then, of course, you've got the audiobook thing. Um, you know, who's going to sit down and read Craig's book so it can be audioed? Um, will Craig read it himself? Yeah. And then, you know, you download it, put it on your iPod and listen to it while you're jogging, while you're doing your walk, whatever, whatever. Yeah producing the book and publishing it electronically on the run. That's an interesting one, and it's quite doable. Um, I should know, but I don't know what ABC Books has planned for the inside line as far as, um, you know, an e-book edition, you know, or yeah. iBook, or anything like that. I, I would have thought it was pretty much a basic thing, but I don't know, in Australia, the publishing industry seems to, um, to be adopting um, e-books, and, and there are, and I know that, that you know, there are um, copyright issues and um, yep. issues with coming to agreements um, with authors and stuff, so they haven't been as quick to embrace it out here as they have, say, in the States, but, you know, to me, it's just, it's axiomatic that, yeah. you know, 
iPad or your Kindle or your yeah. Sony e-reader or whatever it's called and all those sorts of things, you know, just as magazines, you know, inevitably are going to be going to a format that works with and takes advantages of all the things you can do in tablet form. Yes. Because yeah, I, I don't just so, mean iPad because there are going to be many other sorts of tablet devices of that ilk, but, you know, using... Well, certainly, you know, the Android operating system is, sure. is going to be very user-friendly for that sort of thing. So, you know, big future for books electronically, big, for big, big future for, for magazines. So, well, particularly, you know, no, magazines. I mean, there's a lot of options with magazines. Uh, you know, one of the biggest complaints that the magazine online is that currently you can generally go to that very same magazine and, and newspaper's website and read the stuff for free, so why would you subscribe? Um, but the model moving ahead will be extra content. So you pay your money and you get the online version and there's links. So if you've got, for argument's sake, if we go back to talking about uh, Coltard's role, um, there may be in a magazine uh, a photo of the thing cartwheeling through the air, but one shot. But there may have been a sequence taken by a photographer of 25 shots of that rollover that if you buy the online version or subscribe to the online version, you click on that one shot and it takes you to a page where... A sequence. Yeah. You, or you can quite yeah, easily oh, do that. Exactly. And that, and instead of the, you know, yeah. the big photo yeah. spread... Thumbnails or video. ...it's be the, the live... Yeah. Uh, you know the, the the video from the actual accident. Yeah, there. I, I think there's a world of possibilities yeah. for books, but particularly magazines. And you know, one of the reasons I went out and bought an iPad, which I actually haven't used all that much, right? But I went out and bought it because I see it as an invent my future as principally a magazine writer. I think that's yeah. where it's going, and I want to you know become au fait with it and work out what it can do. It's going to take a while, particularly in Australia. Australian publishers are very very slow adopt this new technology. Well, the Australian is going to be on me, but it's got to come, so I thought I'd check it out, and uh, I'm excited, you know, so, using all the, the, the trick editing and, uh, you know, uh, I software. Don't, I don't think you need to need, know, need to know more about programming, but certainly uh, getting to au fait with the device is a, is a big part of it. But um, as far as the actual, <coughs> excuse me, publishing industry is concerned in this country, um... I think I, my belief, as someone who's been buoyed either in the printing industry or on the periphery of the printing industry, with you know my Apple sales and things, which are predominantly to graphic designers and printers and people like that, um, and reading all the trade mags over, particularly the last couple of years since the GFC hit, printers are hurting. Generally, um, they've been stifled in Australia by all of other crap, um, and now the e-books have hit. Um, there's been whole ton of them gone to the wall in the last few months um, which is not a good thing at all and yeah so I think that the industry generally was always a good adopter of new technology very rapidly but they invested so much money in this digital revolution over the last that the only way they could get a return on their investment was cutting each other's throats and they've done that so effectively that now they're falling over um, at a great rate of knots and that lack of investment over the last few years as they try and survive has meant that the publishing industry as a whole has been held back from things like e-books. It was very pleased up was in fact printed in Australia. It was at Griffin Press in South Australia. Yeah. And as far as I'm aware, the inside line, Craig Lowndes' book, also has been printed in Australia. So the, the industry's not dead yet. No, it's not. Okay, now, I think we should 
remind people if you've just tuned in or you're wondering what the hell this is all about, because we've been a bit slack, your Radio Hot Lap, we don't know which episode number it is, no, we lost track, yeah. but Radio Hot Lap of course is a light-hearted and often irreverent look at national and international motorsport, cool and emerging technology and barbecues. barbecues. Who could forget barbecues? Now, JP, I would have done a bit of barbecuing. Well, yeah, Hardy actually did the bulk of it, I have to say. Um, but Zucanovic Towers, we stayed again. Thank you again to uh, Mick Zucanovic and Marcus. Um, we stayed up with the uh, boys from Action Racing at Zucanovic Towers there. Um, about 15 k's out of Bathurst, uh, which is where we stayed for the Bathurst 12 hour. And they've got a mid-sized Weber Q. And um, on Friday night, uh, we cooked and we went down to the local butcher at Bathurst and got 10 deluxe steaks cut just at the right thickness to go on the barbie mm. and some uh, local sausages and some really really nice little lamb cutlets and everybody had a full steak johnny was very very particular about how he cooked them make sure they weren't overdone only turned them once put the lid down the whole bit and uh, a very very nice meal indeed and it was most enjoyable and everybody complimented him on his cooking of course he made a huge salad of which about three teaspoons got in <laughs> ah yes the boys at that mob they uh, they know how to demolish a bit of red meat don't they well, they do indeed they're very hungry yep uh, and they have now, but we should mention actually the extras at uh, Bathurst. Marcus got his run almost by default because uh, on Thursday uh, he wasn't going to be uh, Rod Salmon. Was Rod Salmon in there. was the uh, was the guy who was the nominated driver and had been picked. Um, but uh, a he wasn't very fast, and b he bring the car. So uh, Marcus got a call up, and uh, he was back in. So not only did he drive Fujitsu, he drove the V8 race as well. Um, he did pretty well in Fujitsu because he, they've had an on, but they've had various issues with the car all throughout the year. Mm. And it would appear they've finally got the brakes sorted. They've finally got the actual road holding department, as in shocks and uh, roll bars and all the rest of the stuff sorted. But they had an early engine issue at, uh, at Bathurst, um, which necessitated... Um, the only problem with that was they didn't have any data to load back in there because they'd never done Bathurst with this engine before and with this engine management system. Uh. So they were actually flying totally blind. So they basically did a guesstimate of the setup. Um, and in qualifying, that let Marcus down fairly badly because um, apparently he was getting 100% power um, to the apex of the corner, just about. Uh, so that when he did finally put his foot down, it was flooding and and then he got a delay before the power came on. So they fine-tuned that on uh, Saturday um, and got it working a whole lot better. And uh, if you looked at the times for the Fujitsu race on Sunday, um, he got himself up to 10th, which was quicker across the top than uh, a lot of the front runners. But he just couldn't get up the mountain and back down Conrod quickly enough, uh, which was a bit of a shame. Uh, certainly under brakes, uh, across the top and under brakes, the thing was an absolute rocket. So, uh, so it was a good steer from Marcus and that. And then in the main game, he and Jeff managed to pull the thing. Uh, Jeff Emery. Yep. Did I say Jeff? But oh, Jeff Emery. Jeff sorry. Emery. Yeah, yeah. He and Jeff Emery managed to uh, start from the very rear of the grid, 
um, and get up to, I think that was 24 they finished, which was a good consistent result. There were a couple of issues there, um, one unscheduled pit stop because he'd uh, had a big bang uh, as he turned left here, that it was a bit of debris or something on the track that just put him off and shook the wheel in his hand badly. Um, but no, good result for them. And of course our other um, friend from Denmark, Alan Simonson, who was in with Greg Murphy, um, he managed, they managed to pick up sixth, which isn't Alan's best result, <coughs> excuse me, at Bathurst, because um, he had a fifth, what, two years or three years ago? Triple A. Well, it was a hell of an effort given that, you know, that car had no pace whatsoever. Yeah. It was not a fast car. It was just, you know, Murph, Murph grows a third leg yeah, <laughs> in athletic terms at Bathurst. And, you know, I reckon he could bludgeon, you know... A, a cart and pony, you know, up into the top ten at Bathurst. It just much motorsports still have not got on top of that uh, Castro Edge racing um, Commodore, even though it's a Triple Eight design and yes. should ostensibly be, be you know, identical as the two team Vodafone cars. But <laughs> it's not being run to the same degree of expertise. And you know, Merce has been having a shocker of a year, oh, yeah, which, the first given the recent years, he's had, it's pretty hard to top. So for them, manhandle that car. Which they did. Where they did. Murph manhandled it through practice and qualifying absolutely incredibly. Yeah. But Alan got thrown in there, and that was, you know, a pretty good effort to come in for a one-off because he, did, he, yep. he, didn't, he didn't get didn't to do Philip Island. Uh, so, um, no, Alan's a, he's a really steady hand, I reckon, at Bathurst. I, I'd be hiring him any time of day yesterday. Oh, he was in so, serious race of I was in serious... Oh, no, I'm too busy. Come back and see me later. And you go back like, no, just getting ready to go back out in the car. OK, Alan, fine. I've just so. seen two highway patrol cars in the space of 200 metres on yeah. the Hume. I mean, come on, boys, spread it out. And well, one with his radar gun, you know, hiding behind the bushes, yeah. like, and then the other one's going the other way. But well, you, you don't see him all day, and suddenly, bing. And there they are. And we were, we were listening to talk back earlier on, uh, viewers, uh, as we drove out through uh, Young. And um, there was a guy, uh, actually, no, as we drove out through Carcourt, yeah. Uh, and the guy on the local station down in Sydney was complaining about sometimes the legal limit of alcohol. Both people played us. Um, and then he said, the, guy, the talkback guy said... Tim that, Webster on TV in Sydney. Oh, there you go. See, folks knows these names. Um, said that he nearly got cleaned up by some dude hurtling along and cutting up the inside of him in the middle of the... Uh, was, was it the middle of the night or early morning? Early morning on his way to... Yeah read the early morning channel and 10 news during the so, morning deli program. He got cut up right on the left-hand side and the guy flew yeah. off. But his point was that, you know, while, you know, this... You Speed know, cameras and all the rest yeah. of the crap and laser guns and da 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 Kids are still getting out yeah. and doing crazy things because they know that the odds of getting caught are very minimal. And Even so, though some get caught, the odds are they, in some ways, I mean... I, won't get into a big discussion about you know some of the flaws in his whole philosophy, and he, he wasn't he wasn't really coming out in uh, you know in, in support of sensible driving. He was just more pointing out that um, with all the speed cameras, either fixed or mobile, around the state, particularly as mobile cameras, um, unmarked mobile cameras are, are back in time. You know there are still plenty of people out there. He would have put it, I suppose, flouting the law. But Which yeah. brings you back to the two it's, cars we've just seen. It's, 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 Do we need such coverage. a high police presence no. on the Hume Highway? Mm. Or would they be better off served in the suburbs where there's a high density of vehicles catching all the wrong 
do is there, and I certainly, JP, do not think, and I've always thought that, they have no business hiding behind the bushes yeah. on the side of the road. If they're going to set up with a radar gun, that's fine. Yeah. It'll be out in the open, yeah. because it's all supposed to be about speed deterrent, deterring yes. people from not speeding. So, if you see the highway patrol car up ahead, side of the highway, the freeway, there's a high likelihood that it does have radar and you're going to slow down. Now, I would have thought that was the aim of the exercise. If you get oh, someone to slow thought. down, you know, not hiding behind the bushes, pinging them, and then the yeah. first thing you know about is later when the, you know, when the infringement notice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's not a revenue raising exercise. Pops up in the high no, horse now. That's right. Well, you've been listening to, or you've just missed... Fogues and JP, JP and Fogues. Yes, a, JP a and Fogues. And no Hardy, no, no Hardy. Read no. my lips, no Hardy. A new A-grade team. That's right. Is in the driver's seat for the uh, for the endurance round, the post. The news you want to hear. That's right. So anyway, so that has been Radio Hot Lap, episode one sixty whatever. That's right. Hardy yeah. will be back. Next time, probably. Will we yeah, let him so back? I think we should, yeah. It's about yeah, time yeah. I tried it's, 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 you know, I launched another coup, wasn't it, and tried to take well, over Radio could again, bit. yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to get all... Um, you need to get a look in, and I need to get a look in. So we all need to get online one night and test our bandwidth, make sure everything's working properly, and then we can do another show. And, of course, this weekend he was playing at being Cecil B to Hayek. Oh, yeah, know, we, we should actually touch on that. Shooting his video videos. everywhere. Now, um, no doubt, all you viewers who became listeners while you were uh, viewing those videos um, were inst- uh, how well put together they were, considering they were all shot on iPhone 4 and edited on the iPhone 4. But we have to tell you about all the pain and angst we went through off-camera in the background while he was doing all that stuff. But we won't tell you. So we'll just say, good night, viewers. Good night, viewers. Yeah, we can do it